Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for October has been provided by Joyent, the only cloud service that's purpose-built to power today's real-time web and mobile application. Joyent offers the most cost-effective public and hybrid cloud solutions available today. Here at 5x5, we host all of our web and app servers in the Joyent cloud, so we highly recommend you check them out and sign up for a free trial at joyent.com. My guest this week is Dan Peterson, lead designer for Agile Bits, which are uh, the creators of the venerable 1Password application, which I use regularly. And I, full disclosure, I worked for Agile Bits for a short period in the past, and I love them. Um, but that's relatively relatively irrelevant. That's rather redundant. Rather <laughs> rather redundant. Is that even possible? I don't. I'm not, I'm screwed here. Dan, how you doing? It's all good. I'm uh, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like you. Um, <laughs> well, I like you too, Brett. Ah, wow. Did I did I mention to you that I I may have had a couple drinks? Yes. I, well, you you mentioned it on Twitter, so uh, I, I caught it. <laughs> yeah, I do that when I'm tipsy. Um, you you want to know why? Sure. Well, since you ask, um, I, I, I tried to quit my job today. Oh, wow. I say try Crazy. because it wasn't met with uh, any type of uh, applause. That's a big one. I was told that it was bad timing. But seriously, nice. like when you, when you work in an industry uh, where you work on blogs such as Engadget.com, is there right. really ever a good time to up and quit? Yeah, good point. Of there, course, you know that the Apple announcement tomorrow is is probably a big one. But well, I gave two weeks. Like, I'm not right, gonna miss it. Right. It's it's CES and it's it's all this other stuff. It's uh, there's always yeah. gonna be a project. Yeah, there's, there's always there's always another big thing happening. So right. Anyway, about you, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm just got the, the dogs shut up in their cage because I'm a mean person. No, I just didn't want them to make noise. So I, I understand my dogs are currently locked upstairs with my wife. Nice. And the cats yeah, are sitting have... outside the office door. Nice. Yeah, there's no one else here to, to keep the dogs quiet. So, so they've been Crate caged. it is. How many dogs do you have? I just have one. I'm watching my sisters right now, though. Oh, what kind of dogs are they? Uh, mine, we're actually not sure on. Uh, my best guess is a Scotty Poodle mix. Those are my favorite kinds. The, not Scotty Poodle in specific, but uh, but dogs you're not sure about. Yeah. I love mutts. Yeah, he's awesome. And then my sister's is a little friggin' Ewok. It's a Havanese Poodle mix. I can't see you with a Havanese Poodle mix. <laughs> And I definitely can't say have a poo out loud. That's just, <laughs> God. What's the, what do they call those? Um, oh, Labradoodles. That one always, like, I oh, have trouble yeah. saying that out loud. Although they're great dogs. I really like them as dogs. Right. Plus hypoallergenic. Yeah. How can you beat that? Right. Right. So you guys just put out 1Password 4 for Mac. Yeah, that was a big one. It is a big one. I... I honestly, if you'd asked me a year ago, does one password need an update? I would have said, I don't know. It's working great for me. 
And no, then I... you guys put this out and it's amazing. It's, oh, thanks, man. Uh, it, that was a lot of work. I can say this because you guys aren't sponsoring the show yet. But yeah, I believe it was a ton of work. I, it, the design is outstanding. And that's you. Thank you. And then the functionality, like the standout feature for me is the pop-up that I can get from anywhere in OS 10. I can get, oh, yeah. I can get access to all of my passwords and logins, even when I'm in like a login inside of an application. And that's awesome. Right. Yeah. I've been wanting that for a long time. It's uh, actually definitely my favorite feature of the new version. Just having a global keyboard shortcut. So what was the biggest design challenge in one password four for you? Um, what, what did they, what did they ask you? What did they say? Figure this out. And it took you the longest time. Um, probably the mini version. We went through a lot of iterations for that. We just, we were trying to make it really fit into the OS and yet still be its own thing. And then just, as simple as possible. I don't know. Just the whole thing took a long time. So we went probably four or five different, like completely different iterations of that before we decided on the final version. So like, I'm sure you guys are working on like the iOS seven update now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I've been going at that for a while. It's uh Actually, even even before version four for Mac was done, I was kind of going back and forth between iOS and Mac. So this whole idea of fitting in with the operating system, but still being your own thing like that's that's a really fascinating concept to me. This idea of customizing what Apple gives you by default, because you don't you don't want to stray too far from what people understand and recognize as standard gestures and standard interface. But you do you want something unique. And you want to like spice it up a little bit. Like what kind of uh, what kind of challenges have you run into in let's let's take iOS seven as a specific example. What kind of cha- what kind of challenges have you seen in customizing default Apple tools? Well, iOS seven's probably the hardest in in regards to fitting in, but giving it your own feel, just because it is so much simpler. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of wrap my head around where I wanted to go with that, particularly because I was jumping back and forth between Mac and iOS, you know, just the two different environments. It took quite a while to kind of get my head in the game properly. But uh, so simpler, though. Yeah, well, just, you know, you, you, you lose a lot of the the simple tools they used to use with all the textures and everything like that in in iOS 6 and before. But does it make you realize that those were kind of scapegoats? Not scapegoats. They were escape routes? In a way, yeah. Um, In some ways, they're just fun. But yeah, you can also kind of see them as as an escape, but as an easy way out. But um, this time around, I've, I've been focusing a lot on... Oh, how do you explain that? It's just... A lot more depth. It's hard to explain without actually showing you the designs, which aren't ready yet. But uh, <laughs> well, I heard it, Tim Cook say, I think it was Tim Cook right. talked about the reason that iOS seven has so much of what they're calling flat UI, 
is yep. because retina displays there's there's no reason like drop shadows and textures were all kind of a way of hiding the uh the the pixelation yeah and now there's no place to hide so right. so they're simplifying this design and they're kind of accepting that a screen is a 2D space to some extent right it, does that affect i mean are, are you taking that whole concept into account when you're working on a UE for iOS 7 definitely it's it's when i first started working on it you noticed that specifically quite a bit um but then i i once i finally wrapped my head around it it's it's pretty simple yet very uh it just like, takes a lot of thought it does to, to get right. It, and also well, one of the issues is it's very easy to get lost um, with the new style. Like one app can look exactly like another app mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's very simple to get lost in that, at least in my experience. Um, well, and so, it, it's you know, a real, it's a real challenge actually to stand out. Right. Because you lose all those, all those tools like textures and three-dimensional uh, other the shadows and things. Right. And I'm, I'm still using shadows. I'm just using them differently. Um, more subtle, more crisp edges. Um, and, and like I said, just a lot more depth, like moving things at different rates. Um, parallax? Sort of, yeah. A little bit of parallaxing, a little bit of just... The the fluid movements are helpful, um, you know, a little bit of bouncing here and there, a little bit of the, the physics type stuff in there. Did you ever uh, play a game on iOS called Skee-Ball? I played a few Skee-Ball apps. I'm not sure if any of them were called Skee-Ball. I'm checking who it's by. Um, it was the first one. It came out before... Oh, there's another one. Uh, I think I know the one you're you're talking about. If it if it's what I'm thinking of, but I can't remember who it was either. Um, I can tell you in one second. Um, no, maybe I can't. Why don't they have their logo on here anywhere? <laughs> Fail. Um. Anyway, it's called. It's the official skee ball game, and I believe they actually licensed the uh, the skee ball name from skee ball. Okay. And the thing that impressed me about it, this is one of the first games that came out for iOS. Uh, mm-hmm. It was among among the first big sellers anyway. And the physics, the physics, the realism of of the ball spin and the table and everything were extremely impressive at the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like as much as people like deny that they like uh, skeuomorphism, like this idea of making realistic interfaces. Right. Physics is one area where people really appreciate. They don't even notice it if it's done properly. Right. Well, they, it just, they it don't makes even it notice. Feel, it just makes it feel much more natural. Like the the movement of something, if it matches what you'd see in real life, you're not going to notice it in the app. Right. Like the like the background parallax on iOS seven. Where yep. things just shift slightly as you move your phone, it feels right. Yeah, 
Well, unless you get really bad motion sickness. Right. Thankfully, thankfully I don't. If you made it like you were looking through a portal and it like swept, you know, like too far left and right as you tilted your phone. Yeah, I would. It would be annoying to say the least. But the slight, the very slight, like millimeter changes that the background makes. Yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, when I first installed iOS 7, I, I just sat there and played with that for a while. Yeah, me that, too. That and the bouncing of the camera from the lock screen. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that or not. But I you have. Can, you know, have. Yeah. You can yes. actually bounce it open if you yep. bounce it hard enough. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And, um, and, and iOS 7's made that a lot easier to do, you know, with their the built-in physics engines and everything. It's it's a lot easier to take advantage of. What's your opinion on the zoom when you like click a folder in on your home screen and it zooms in and zooms out? How do you feel about that? I like it other than its speed. You want it faster or slower? Faster. It's, it's too, yeah, it just takes too long. Plus you can't tap on anything during the zoom. So yeah. like if you wanted to just be real quick and tap tap, it doesn't work. But other than that, I enjoy it. It gives you a sense of place. I haven't actually run into that tap tap deal. But maybe because I enjoy the zoom so much that I wait for it to finish. <laughs> right. Well that's how it was at first for me, but eventually I just started trying to tap tap a few times. That makes and... sense because once you develop your muscle memory for a certain folder or a certain application. Right. Yeah, tap tap makes sense. Maybe they should fix that. But overall, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of my friends in the design community, I shouldn't say a lot, but a few have complained about the Zoom in general. They just, they find it nauseating, they find it annoying, but it feels, again, it feels right to me. There are a few changes that I think should be made to it, but the general concept I like, um, Actually, one of my biggest annoyances is that the name of the folder changes from the bottom to the top. I just noticed that as you were saying it. That yeah, is, that, that bugs the crap out of me and it has since I, since I first installed it. I can see some uh, some interface issues with that, definitely. And the other bad thing about it is that it does fit a lot less on screen than the old version. Folders previously, you could see three or was it three rows of four or four rows of four on the taller screen? I forget. I think, but it was yeah, just, it was a total of 12. And now you can see right. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's kind of annoying. But Anyway, this show is not about iOS 7. <laughs> That's crazy. Getting a little sidetracked. I'll tell you about our, our first sponsor and then we can switch gears. Sounds good. Uh Sponsor one today is MailChimp.com, easy email newsletters. MailChimp helps you design email newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate them with services you already use, and track your results. It's like your own personal publishing platform. They help you customize your sign-up form to match your brand so you can share it on, on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page. You can even collect sign-up from an iPad or a laptop. And importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap no matter how it's formatted. And you can personalize everything your subscribers see, including sign-up forms and confirmation emails. There's never been a better time to try MailChimp. With 2,000 subscribers, you can can send 12,000 emails per month forever. 
Just visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. I think I think those are more exciting when uh, when Barry reads them. Did you ever hear, <laughs> did, you, did you happen to hear the last yeah. episode? Barry yeah, came I back. I, I like it better when you do it. You've gotten a lot better. It just sounds more natural to me. I have to agree with Merlin. You've been improving quite a bit. I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you know what Merlin said. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that anyone listens to this show. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Greatly appreciated. So let's see. You have you have one tattoo. Yeah, unfortunately, only one. See, okay, that's the curious point. Um, or that's the point of this question is, do you want more tattoos? I've had, I think, let's see, two, seven planned since I was like 19. So, and so I've only gotten one. Do you still have the same seven planned as you did when you were 19? I've made a few minor mental changes, but for the most part, yeah, same ones. Why do you think that... Okay, first, why do you want tattoos? Um, that's a, that's a tough question, I, I guess. Is it personal I, expression? Is it rebellion? Is it some kind of um, some kind of way to externally represent what you have internally? Um, there, I gave you some par- options. Par- partially the last expressing things, but partially just. I just enjoy the design of them. I, I enjoy the look of them. I enjoy seeing them on other people and appreciating them. It's it's art. Do you enjoy getting them? The one I've gotten wasn't bad, but the other ones are going to be in a lot more painful places, so I'm not particularly looking forward to it. But What is the most painful place you want to get one? Um, As far as you well, know, anyway, until yes. you actually have done it. As far as I know, one of them um, on my chest will kind of wrap sort of under my arm. Yeah. And I've heard that that spot, like right underneath your underarm, is, is pretty painful. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who got a dragon on his ding-dong. Oh, God. No, I'll pass on that. Yeah, that's, me too. It's a little too much. I mean, plus, really... Like you finally get a partner home, right? <laughs> and you whip it out. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. Sorry about that. I was young. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one to explain to some people. Yeah, no. Plus, I, it just kind of breaks the moment, you know. Like I would you're think right, so. You're, you're right in the mo- moment, and then all of a sudden you have to stop and explain. Something. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's no good. That's not good at all. And then you marry somebody, and and yeah, right. They get used to it, I guess. Yeah. Dragon. Anyway, yeah, like the back of the elbow. I have one uh-huh. on the back of my elbow, and I don't... It wasn't horrible, but I also got uh, my that tattoo, actually all my tattoos, from an unlicensed tattoo artist. Okay. And a licensed tattoo artist is required to turn your, turn you away if you're intoxicated. Oh, especially if you're if you're drunk because alcohol thins the blood right. and your risk of infection and and reaction to blood loss is greater. Right. And then of course there's you know decision making. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is that. Um 
But the one on the back of my elbow, it it wasn't that bad. Uh, I was always told that that was going to be the most painful, painful one I'd gotten at that point. But I actually think that the one across my chest was more painful. Yeah, I think hitting hitting the ribs. Yeah, mine's going to go over quite a bit of my ribs. So if I ever quit procrastinating and get it, well, it's not so bad. And then I'm the the forearm one. I'm curious about mainly on the underside of the forearm. No, that, that skin is pretty sensitive. So you know what I have on my forearm, on the inside. I don't remember. It's a brand. Okay. I was uh, yeah. I yeah. was like twenty something twenty like early early twenties. Right. And I was having kind of a bipolar episode, and I do. to shock myself out of depression i took a coat hanger twisted it into a spiral heated it up with a blowtorch and jammed it into my forearm on the inside that is def- definitely a shock yeah and i held it there until i blacked out wow and by the, now i have a i have a very very scarred spiral on the inside of my forearm i do remember seeing that now that you you bring it up and let me tell you, I don't think it would have mattered where I stuck that branding iron. I probably would have passed out either way. Yeah, that's a, that's a painful, painful one. I think I'll pass on the branding and just stick with the tattoos. That's the first time I've ever publicly talked about that branding incident. Wow. This is the first. Honored. Ladies and gentlemen, here, right here on Systematic, you heard it here. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you mentioned that you were procrastinating getting that tattoo, right? Do you do you have like a a personality that procrastinates a lot? Unbelievably so. I have a lot of issues with that, particularly when I first started working from home. That was yeah, that kind of brought it out in me at first. I've had to had to adjust my life accordingly. Does an office help you with it? When I worked in an office with other people, it forced me to not procrastinate as much. When I'm at home and I have all my stuff around me, it's uh, a little more difficult to keep myself on, on task. Huh. I, I found working in an office made me, I guess, so crazy that I couldn't get anything done even if I wanted to. And I suffer from procrastination issues as well. Right. Especially when someone tells me, uh, I guess, especially when I'm being paid to do something. Yeah. When it becomes a job, when it becomes a task, suddenly I just mentally just, shut down. Right. Well, you won't, once it's a job, it's not quite as much fun anymore, at least until you start doing it. Someone but said like the, the, the approach to it, I think, becomes less fun just because you know it is a job. Yeah, someone said to me once that the fastest way to kill your passions is to turn them into your job. Mm, I don't know if I completely agree with that, but definitely the approach to the job. I find once I get started on something, then I start having a lot of fun with it. It's just the approach that becomes a little bit more, uh, very less desirable. Well, and I think that's that's the biggest part of procrastination is the the lead up. Right. Once you actually get into a project, you're set. You're good. Right. It's getting to 
that like first word on the page, <laughs> that's yep. where it's really, really, I don't know. I, I get, um, I get to a point where I just would rather do anything else and I'll do other things that are actually like urgently needed that I have been procrastinating on in order to procrastinate on something that seems even more, uh, imposing to me. Right. It's a great way to get my bills paid Nice. because I'm like, give me something, anything else other than this to do. See what I found that I do is when I'm procrastinating, I try and pick things that are just have a very hard ending. You know what I mean? Like taking the dog for a walk when right. I get home, that's a very hard ending. <laughs> you know, when it's done, you know, just yeah, exactly. So it's not easy to just kind of slip into something else. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of forced myself to think about that when I'm procrastinating just so that I do have an end point that I, I force myself to get back to work. Well, and that's the hardest part of design too, is design isn't done until the client or the boss or even yourself says it's perfect right and design can go on forever oh yeah like with code with the stuff that i've I've gotten myself into doing now it's more like when it works it's good as soon as it does the job it's done but with design it's just it's so subjective i've had to you know let go some of that and just learn to uh Learn to let it go and then iterate even after it's been released. Well, you know, and that's, I, I, that's important is being able to ship a product with the acknowledgement that you will iterate on it, but finding that point where you're comfortable shipping it. Yeah, that's a hard point to find. Hard point, both personally and from like a management perspective to say, okay, this is, this is acceptable. And, and, right. and from a personal standpoint, that's all you'll ever get is this is acceptable because right. you're always thinking into the future. You're always thinking yeah, what you could change. Much so. Well, half the time, like by the time you finish a project, you look at what you were doing in the beginning and want to do it completely differently anyway. So that, my friend, is a sign of growth, though. Yeah. That, means, that means you learned something while you were doing it. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And sometimes you just, you know, you let those things go and you try and get them done for a point one or point five or, you know, even a complete next version and just, it, it's difficult though. It's definitely difficult. I released version 2.1 of my app two weeks after I released version 2.0. Yeah. I, I, I find that that seems to happen pretty frequently that the, the bigger points happen early on. Well, yeah. And I, uh, I, it was because there were all these things that I wanted to fix slash add. And I just decided I'd been working on this for over a year. Right. It's time to ship something. I got to ship. Yeah, something. you have to, you have to do that. We, uh, we definitely, you know, originally planned to ship a lot sooner than we did. And we let ourselves get caught up in that. Well, I just want to, you know, finish this or I just want to add this or, Oh crap, I didn't even think about this, you know, and then at some point you just got to say, nope, squish the bugs and get it out. That's why you always set soft deadlines well before the hard deadlines. Yeah. And that, that's, that's pretty much what we did. That's uh, to me, that's 
that's good project management to say okay. we're going to shoot for this date and nobody acknowledges the fact that two months later is the actual target date. Everyone says, okay, right. we're shooting for this date. Right. And when push comes to shove and you say, we need two more weeks, you've got two more weeks. It's okay. You didn't miss your hard date yet. Right. No, that's, the that's same smart. thing actually kind of helps with procrastination too. I, I find myself doing that internally as well. You know, just kind of like, I need to finish this by five, even though, you know, I know technically it doesn't have to be done. But if I aim for five, maybe I'll actually get it done by eight. <laughs> you know? Yes, I'm familiar with the concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you manage tasks? Like uh, along those lines of of setting early to-do dates, like how do you, how do you generally manage your to-do list? Um, a few different ways. Um, like the, the general tasks are set like throughout the company and we're, we're using Jira right now. I'm sorry. Uh, by at Atlassian, or if I'm pronouncing either of those right, but it's J I R A. Yeah. We use Jira. Okay. I'm not a fan. No well, offense to the Jira engineers. We've used a lot of different stuff, and none of us have really been a fan of any of them. So you we guys, just kind of keep you trying. Le- you left Redmine behind? Uh, for now, yeah. We've left Redmine behind before, though, and come back to it, so who knows? <laughs> Redmine does seem oh. to be the final destination for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> have well, you tried just... Asana? No. Asana's awesome, but but you guys do a lot of, you use it for email support. So having email turn into tickets is kind of important, huh? Um, sort of, um, we've, we've even let go of that a little bit at some points when we've tried different things. Um, then just man- manually did it rather than having the, the extra tools for it. But we're, we're constantly not happy with any of that. So we've we've switched things quite a few times and are always on the lookout for new stuff, both task management and customer support tools. So what do you use personally? Uh, personally, I've uh, currently I'm using nothing. Really? I, I, I've that's so disappointing, go, Dan. I've gone back and forth on a lot of things and I'm not happy <laughs> with any of them, man. Currently, I'm just using Jira, and I look over everything every day, and I set mentally when I want to get things done by, and then that's that's what I go by. But I mean, I've I've used things, I've tried OmniFocus. I haven't really used it simply because I don't like UI. Understandable. But, uh, it's a bit outdated. It's, it's kind of a silly thing but you know i'm a designer no it's not you're you're a mac user and a designer there's nothing more uh more pertinent than user interface right i've even tried like wonderlist and i still use wonderlist for some stuff because uh i use it with my family i think that's why i use task paper like i use omnifocus and and i depend on omnifocus especially for day job stuff and right. I actually have it interface pretty well with Redmine and Jira. But for coding projects and for personal projects, I use task paper because it's plain text. And the user interface, I can customize to some extent. 
Mm-hmm. But you can't expect that much from plain text. Right. <laughs> you don't expect a beautiful interface. So you right. just, you take what you get. And, and I, you know, I have a history as a designer and I work in UX daily. And for me, task paper, just, it does the job without making me think about interface at all. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've looked at it a few times. I've never actually tried it. I might give it a try at some point. I'm, that's another thing that I, I've switched up a million different times. Like the only reason I'm using nothing right now is because I haven't figured out what I want to try next yet. <laughs> I understand. Well, yeah, that that's another one of those things that I'm just kind of never satisfied with and keep trying new things. And I, I, you know, I try not to spend too much time on each tool. I just kind of download it, open it up, throw some stuff in there for the day and just keep doing that every day until I either hate it or get used to it. Uh, anyway, I think we should talk about sponsor number two. That sounds delightful. Which would be Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and 1 million video clips. Dan, have you ever used Shutterstock.com? Quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Awesome. Well, feel free to chime in because you can start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your needs and never have to compromise. And if you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that too. Dan, do you have a, a subscription? No, I do the, the one at a time. I don't use it quite enough to do the subscription. That's nice though, right? You just put a oh, few yeah. put a few uh, points in your account and... Yeah, no, it's great. Yes. It, it, and I've got so many things in light boxes. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have some really stupid light boxes, but that's the nice thing about light boxes. Right. And make one for anything. Um, and every time you visit shutterstock.com, you'll find something new because they add 20,000 new images every single day and 12,000 videos added every week. It's more affordable than you think, too, with no extra charge for large files. Download any image at any resolution and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, just take them. And that's my favorite part, is if I pay for an image, I can download the ginormous, like, uh, 4,000 DPI JPEG. Right. or Or the vector version for the same price as I can download little 70 DPI. Yeah, most I mostly do vectors, which are very, very useful. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, you can easily curate and share pictures via lightboxes, and you can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own lightbox gallery as you search, and you can do this from your iPad too. Uh, they have an app for this. There's something called Enhanced License Access, and if you like any image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade show, they can give you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips, should you need any of those. And if you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions, and they have 24-hour support during the week. So, to sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed, and when you find the image you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME1013 and get 25% off of any package put together over at Shutterstock.com. 
And that's a good deal on a great company. And I, I honestly wholeheartedly endorse this sponsor. I do all of our sponsors. I love our sponsors. I'm going to pretend like that coupon code was special just for me. It is special just for you because it has the word Dan in it. Right. And there aren't any others. I'm, I'm not, the only one. None that I know of. I'm not familiar with their work. <laughs> okay. No. So what? Oh, I was just going to say I, I just installed their iPad app Yeah, a few nights ago. And it works really well for those middle-of-the-night ideas like <laughs> that happen to me constantly. What What is your most creative time of day? Nighttime. Like, like what, e- evening. Probably. When does it happen? Like, when do you wake up with the ideas? Um, It's usually as I'm trying to sleep, honestly. Okay. It's, uh, and I, I usually go to bed around 2 o'clock or so. Um, <laughs> That's when it happens to me. But I, I try to go to bed around 9 or 10. But 2 o'clock is always when I wake up with those ideas. Nice. Like 1 to 2 is my brainstorm time. And if it happens, if I wake up with an idea in my head, I have to get up. And I have to go write it down or I'll never fall back asleep. Yeah. Definitely. And, and an iPad app that could help with that kind of thing, I'd be all for. Yeah, I've done that a few times already, just like random ideas that I have for future projects that I'll probably never do, but it's fun to think about. Excellent. All right, so that brings us to the top three. Okay. And as I said that, I raised my arms in the air like we were like in a UFC ring. and Yeah. Um, (laughs) so we'll go round robin back and forth. What would your first pick of the week be? I was inspired by Merlin's last episode and I'm going to go with moves, which is, uh, that's M O V E S. Moves like Jagger. (laughs) It's a iPhone app that tracks your, you know, sort of a pedometer, but it, it does quite a bit more than that. Um, I'm really hoping they update it soon. I know they're they're working on integrating with the new M7 chip. But the the coolest thing about it, at least for me, is that it tracks and like shows where you've been, not on a map, which I don't particularly like because then you have to swipe all around and figure out what does what. Plus it's creepy. Right. So it just shows a list. And like when you stopped at one place for a significant amount of time, it marks that location. And if you want to, like if you have a really good day and you want to remember, you know, all the places in it and what you did. I actually did this when I did a Cedar Point trip with my family. You just tap on each stop and it shows you it uses uh, Foursquare's listings to show you places near that. So you can just save that location. And the the cool thing was at Cedar Point, it actually let me save every roller coaster I went on. Uh, that is a truly Michigander thing to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I have the, that saved in moves. And anytime I want to, I can go back through that day and just kind of live through the memories a little bit. So it functions not only as some kind of, um, I suppose, at like uh, athletic journal but it also functions as a life journal right yeah that's pretty much how i use it the cool thing is it also like automatically detects 
walking, running, or cycling, and it'll give you the stats for each of those. How do you detect cycling versus running? I'm guessing just speed and movement. You know, the like if, if your uh, phone's in your pocket, your leg's going to move differently cycling than it would when you're running. I suppose so. so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I like it. Okay, this is the question I always ask when this kind of topic comes up, but do you know if it has an API? Uh, yes, it does. Um, <sighs> yeah, there, there's quite a quite a few things that people have built using that. There's like a, a moves, I think it's called moves export, keep meaning to try out. It's like movesexport.com or something like that, that gets all of your moves data and it can put it in different places for you. Like it can use your moves data to add runs to runkeeper.com, for instance. Oh, yeah. Someone, I think either Tim or Merlin was talking about like um, kind of a conglomeration site. Right. Yeah, yeah, I gotta check that out because that stuff would be gold for Slogger as well. Yeah, I talk about Slogger all the time on the show, even though I put very little effort into it lately. <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! Anyway, all right, that's awesome. I, uh, I, I, despite having heard about this before, I haven't checked it out yet. It's it's a cool app. I'm I'm hoping they do a little bit of a redesign for iOS seven. But it it still works great. Do you think um, they will? Do you think it's yeah. actively supported? Yeah, yeah. They've said that they're working on updating it for the M7 on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure the reason it's taken a little while is because they're probably working on some updates for iOS 7 as well. Awesome. Right now, it's free. Um, I'm hoping I'm, that that's my one actual issue. I'm not a huge fan of free apps. Because I always worry about them going away. There is a backlash against that lately, yes. So I'm really hoping that they have, and they they briefly mentioned having a, a decent business plan when they first came out with it, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm really hoping it turns out to be awesome. Are there ads in the app? No. So it's just literally free. Correct. Yeah, that. I I hope for a sustainable business model as well. I think they, uh, this is just a random guess, but I think maybe they'll add some more like social type features and maybe charge for a membership or something, which I would be fine with. Yes. Yes. As long as they're making money, we're all okay. Right. All right. Well, my first. (sighs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) My first pick is Sketch. Have you used that? I have not used it yet. I keep looking at it, and I keep almost downloading it, but I haven't quite gone for it yet. I haven't taken the bait. Well, I I bought it right away because if it can replace Illustrator and Photoshop for me for fifty bucks, I'm I'm in. Right. So I decided to give it a shot, and and I was you know I had no problem with it to begin with, but it didn't become my go to application until. Uh, our design team at work began sending me all of their designs in sketch format. (laughs) And that forced me to get into it. And I have found that it is outstanding. If you have to design either web and it's especially great for flat design, but if you have to design for the web or for applications, it is, it's an amazing app that can output retina and standard like, 2x and standard 
images from vector designs right in a fell swoop i yep. i can design i can design i can add my drop shadows as needed i can add uh all kinds of gradients and and color overlays I can get everything exactly the way I need it. I can use a uh, kind of style palette similar to what Photoshop allows with styles and then easily in one click export different parts of my design into separate image files at one and two X and create everything I need. And it's like, it's kind of, like, we'll talk about slicey next actually, cause that's my other pick, but, um, but it makes it really easy to create all the assets I need for a project from one file with one click. Yeah, it's definitely a nice thing to have. Yes. And and the design tools are outstanding. Like if you look at some of the stuff people have created with Sketch, it oh, rivals yeah. it rivals Illustrator easily. Yeah, I've I've seen some of the stuff that people have done with it. It's definitely like like I said, I keep looking at it and almost trying it, but I just I think it's mostly time. I'm worried about, you know, putting time into learning it. There, there is a learning curve because it is, they didn't, they didn't try to replicate. Which I think is a good thing. I agree. I I don't, I don't want somebody to just replicate (laughs) Photoshop. Yeah. Because Photoshop's uh, shortcut keys have never been to me very intuitive. Yeah. And sketches are more Mac like. Okay. Like it's an application that was designed for Mac first. Yeah, there's definitely some weird stuff in Photoshop, like Command-K for preferences. Yeah, and Command-Shift-Option-S. While that has become very ingrained in my muscle memory, yeah. it's a horrible keyboard shortcut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, one of the first things I do when I install Photoshop is I go through and customize a crap ton of the keyboard shortcuts. I understand. It, it needs it, but then they go and change the keyboard shortcuts between versions. Right, which infuriates me. Like, there's nothing worse than breaking someone's muscle memory, in my opinion. I'm sure there are worse things. I'm sure there are horrible, <laughs> horrible things in the world. And I shouldn't say there's nothing worse. But from a, a user interface perspective, it annoys the heck out of me. I said heck like I'm from Minnesota. Oh, wait, I am. Um, it annoys the heck out of me when someone changes a keyboard shortcut that I've come to like that I have muscle memory for. Oh, it's just very disruptive to your flow. It you is. know, like keyboard shortcuts very much become just something you don't even think about. Yes. It pulls so the rug thing. out from under my fingers. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's sketch. Tell me about your second pick of the week. My second pick is kind of a weird one. Um, well, weird in, in a way, and I'll get I to that. But weird. Hue, uh, the, the light bulbs. Yes. From Philips. Um, and I really, really love them. I, I've got, I got a three-pack. And the, the one gotcha that I have to say is they were a gift, and I would not have spent this much money on them. What's a three-pack cost? Uh, I think it was... It's two hundred. Yeah, something like two hundred bucks, which just to me is is crazy. As much as I love them, I, I I wouldn't pay that much money for them. But if if you love them enough, and they are really really awesome, like one of the things I did first thing 
was uh, I have like some of those rice paper folding screens, the really tall ones. Like, you know do, like, do like apartment divider kind of things when you live in a studio yeah. apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So I have those behind my TV and I put the hue bulbs behind those. So they shine through the rice paper. Yeah. And I basically set timers, uh, four different timers with different colors for each bulb to simulate sunset at sunset. <laughs> so you don't have to go outside to see the sunset. Right, right. <laughs> What's this outside thing you speak of? How do you, how do you, how do you set the timer on a hue bulb? Uh, just in, in the app, uh, in the iOS app, okay. you, when you, when you look at, uh, I forget what they call them, but when you look at the, the colors, like you basically create sets of colors for the bulbs, you know, I think they're called hues. Possibly. <laughs> anyway, when, when you set those, there's an alarm feature where you can set them for a specific time. And you can do like a three or an instant, a three or a nine minute fade in. Nice. So I have the four different sets, each set for nine minute fade in. So it, you know, it ends up lasting almost 40 minutes. Here's what you should do is set a, uh, an alarm in your bedroom so that at a certain time, the time you want to get up, Actually, an hour before you want to get up, it fades to red. Okay. Yep. Which doesn't fully wake you up. It brings you into like top level sleep. Mm-hmm. What's the top level called? I forget. But you're, you're, you're almost awake. You're just, you're, you're above REM and below awake. Right. And then have it fade into yellow. And then at the time you want to wake up, have it go white. See, I've been wanting to do that. The only problem is I really, really like them in my living room, and I want. <laughs> and you to only get, have three, I, right? And I want to get more, but they're like sixty bucks a bulb. So okay, so here's here's the plan. IKEA makes this thing called the dioder. Okay, and it's an RGB. You you can you, it's it's a set of of four strips of diodes that you can then with a controller change from any of the 256 colors available in the RGB standard, like web safe palette. Okay. And that's on a a rotary dial, but with a little hacking, you can make it USB compatible. You're going to help me with the hacking. I'm uh... I'm totally going to help you with the hacking after I help myself with the hacking. (laughs) I really want to do this. I really do. But see, I use Insteon bulbs. Yeah, which I can control from my computer, but they're just one color. They're they're white diodes, right? Um, so they're LED bulbs, but I like my bedside lamp, my uh, my desk lamp. All of these are Insteon bulbs that I can control from dashboard in my in in any of my Mac computers. Right. Um, but I would love to have some color shift, and and uh, right now I'm using the dioder for things that need a little hue to them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen hacks where the dioder is mounted on the back of a television set. Like the four LED strips are mounted right. around the back. Right. And then it reads the the average color of I've what's on the that. screen. Yeah. And turns the background of like the entire wall 
to that color, and it's amazing. Yeah, it looks it is so awesome. good. I've seen pictures. It looks friggin' incredible. I would love to have that. I will have to find a link to stick in the show notes for that. But, um, well, one one of the best things about the Hue, probably last thing I'm going to talk about with them, um, at different times of day, I don't know if it's just me, but at different times of day, I really appreciate uh, different color spectrums. Um, like I go from more of a blue white, you know, to, to more of a yellow in the evening. Um, and, and I go back and forth on it, but I, I think it's also just mood, but I don't know. I, I've really enjoyed that with the hues. Have you used flux on your Mac at all? I've seen it. I have not used it. Oh man, you gotta, I don't know. Like after, I, I, after what you just said, like right now at the, we're we're talking it's about 6:15 p.m. Mm-hmm. and and outside it's shifting from uh it's it's dusk basically right and my screen is halfway between like a 5000 kelvin and an, i think 2700 kelvin so it's starting to yellow and if i come back if i have one of those ideas at 2 in the morning and i come back and i turn off my screensaver and move my mouse it's going to be a nice yellowish screen that doesn't blind me. Well, my problem is I'm working on designs all day. Uh, yeah. And you, I, I need to get the color accurate. Got to have your gamma right. But I've thought about that. And, and in a way, I'm jealous. One, one of my coworkers <laughs> uses it. But yeah, just, I, I couldn't do it with, I, I need that color accuracy. But but you are right. Uh, different times of day and, and even moods do affect the colors that are pleasing to the eye. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. My second pick is Slicey, which I stole from Dan. I had this picked out, and then Dan decided he was... Well, no. Dan had previously decided, and then he told me what his picks were, and I said... You should talk about the hue bulbs and I'll talk about Slicey. <laughs> I stole it. But Slicey, I have I have mentioned it long ago on this show in another kind of web developer episode. But uh, Slicey does a lot of, of the export options that Sketch can do, but it turns it into something you can do with Photoshop. And you can take a Photoshop file, you can drag it onto Slicey, and based on the names of layers that you have in your Photoshop file, it will extract assets and it will export one and two X versions of them. Uh, and you can control a lot of the features of it based on the way you name layer groups. Mm-hmm. And those layer groups become exported PNG or JPG files. And it make and it can watch a file. So every time you save your Photoshop composition, it updates and will automatically export all the assets you had kind of defined in that file. That's it's, my favorite part of the app. It's pretty it's, amazing. Yeah. So what do you uh, use it for? Uh, all my interface design. Um, it, I, I just kind of, you know, did a slight ad, adaptation to my workflow and, and, now, as I build a file, I just automatically name things so that they work well with Slicey. And all day long, it's, you know, that first time it, I have to set it and tell it what to do. But after that, it just automatically exports everything. And you can you can set the folders that it goes to as well. Right. And you can, uh, you can preview all the different assets within Slicey. 
like you know it extracts right. them based on the on the folder group names right and yeah oh it's it's awesome it's from the people it's from mac rabbit yeah they're which, awesome which made css edit back in the day were you a css edit user yep and i i currently use espresso yes yes they made some of the best live css editing tools known to all of mankind and especially to Mac users, but espresso is espresso is uh I'm trying to think of a way to say this without using a bad word. <laughs> espresso is awesome. Espresso is the awesome. It's it's a great it's a great editor, but the live preview is outstanding. The, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the big big feature for espresso. X ray, it's X ray, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah X ray is awesome. Yeah, that is that is a great feature there. But with with Slicey, I just the, when I first start working on a file and I want to export something for the first time in it, you know, I'm working on the display pane for the Mac app or something. I just set it to the images folder in the Xcode project, and then from then on, as I work on it and create new assets and iterate on the ones I had created before, it just automatically updates them, and I just do the git push. Awesome. I took way big too way too big a sip of whiskey. <laughs> nice. There's something wrong with me. Oh, there's definitely something wrong with you, Brett, but Let, that's let's okay. not talk about that. Let's talk about your third pick. Alrighty. Uh third one I'm going with is automatic. It's uh it's another iPhone app in combination with a little uh little dongle thing that you plug into your car's obd2 port uh and i I think it's 70 bucks unless they went up in price after the pre-sale but it's so it's decently priced and it it works great um i started out in the beta and they've improved it quite a bit over time getting rid of the bugs and everything but uh basically it it tracks each trip that you make and it uses the GPS in your phone over, you know, Bluetooth. It just uses Bluetooth, low energy and, uh, reads from your car's computer, uh, like how many miles you went, uses the GPS on your phone to see where you went, tracks your average fuel consumption per trip. And one of the coolest things it does is it, um, it figures out, average local gas prices and when you fill up your gas tank it you know it uses your phone's gps to know where you are figures out the gas price so it will show you how much each trip you take costs which i just thought was really cool that is pretty cool do you know what odb stands for no idea me either in fact i i use the odb protocol to find text editors on my computer, and I don't know what that stands for either, but I'm pretty sure it's not the same thing. <laughs> Probably not. So uh, it, it also has some cool f- safety features, like uh, when you get into an accident, it can automatically dial 911. What? Uh, stuff like that. So it's, uh, and it remembers the last place that you parked. So if you're ever looking for your car, you can just bring up the app. Okay, that's awesome. I can get nine one one, and they can find my car at the same time. And with the with the nine one one, it you can also like after it 
notifies them, it will send a text message up to three people to let them know that you've been in an accident and the 911 has been notified. And how does it know you're in an accident? Uh, just, you know, the car's computer, I'd guess, a combination of rapid deceleration and airbag air sensor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. My car doesn't know any of that stuff. My car is nice. It's very pretty. Well, the... the, the but, it's, but it's pretty uh, in that kind of dumb kind of way. Right. Well, the, the automatics really should work with any car made in the U.S. after 1996. Nice. All right, I'm I'm on this. I'm on this. I'm sure my car has a computer, but when yeah. I open the hood of my car, it's so pretty that it's hard <laughs> to even find where the battery is. You just kind of get sucked into the the beauty. No, it's just so well. Everything's like enclosed, encased. Oh, it's okay. an Audi. I gotcha. Audi, 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 Audi. How do how do normal people say that? Not from Minnesota. I've always said Audi. Audi. But that always sounds I, like a belly button to me. Correct. I, no matter which way I say it, it sounds weird to me. So yeah. I just kind of well, gave up. It's one of those weird words, man. Say yeah. it enough times and it'll sound weird. Except with this one, it just sounds weird the first time you say it. Right. So yeah, but my my car, like you open the hood and everything's like under like formed formed plastic. Right. So when you first open it, you basically you see three compartments. And right. I don't even know where to look for the oil. <laughs> it took me I had to go to the user manual to find the oil. That was nice. nasty. But anyway. But anyway, I want that for my car because the little console that comes up in the middle of my dashboard that tells me like what doors are open and stuff, you know, a little like LED LCD screen. Mhm. Mm it doesn't work. It's broken. Because I bought a used car. Oh, the other nice thing it does, uh, check engine lights. It'll tell you what they mean. Oh, you know, nice. It, it knows, oh. the, knows the codes and, you know, figures out what they mean and tells you how, how to reset it after you fix it. I'm getting one of those for my wife, too, then, because her Murano, uh, she got a sticker for it. To put over the check engine light. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because it never freaking went off. Nice. I All just right. went to the website. It looks like it's ninety nine ninety five now. It's uh, automatic.com if you and want to check it out. That's for hardware and software? Yeah, the app's just free, so you're just oh, buying the, the dongle. Uh, I'm totally getting that. All right, awesome. You said automatic.com? Yep. Wow, they even got the automatic address. Yeah, I was surprised about that. Nice. All right, so where am I? I'm on my third pick, right? Yes, sir. Uh, my third pick is a band. Uh -huh. Well, it's a, I guess you call it a hip-hop artist. It's, <laughs> a, it's Atmosphere, which is a band. It's a, it's a, a rapper named Slug, uh, known as, well, not known as. He's known as Slug. His name is Sean Daly. And okay. they have a, a producer slash DJ named Ant, uh, whose real name is Anthony Davis. And they're from Minnesota. And they make hip-hop. They make, it's rap. But it's... Good old Minnesotan hip-hop. Yeah, which sounds like a contradiction. <laughs> but it, it this is really good stuff. Like, I love all kinds of hip-hop. I really enjoy the genre. And these guys make me proud to be from Minnesota. 
Nice. They 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 did local shows back when I was like a young punk rocker. I'd go down to uh, Rhyme Sayer shows, mm-hmm. and and these guys would perform. And really, they didn't take off until they hit an album called God Loves Ugly. Okay. And God Loves Ugly was a great album, and you should look it up. And uh, most recently, they've come out with Family Sign, which has some great great tracks on it. It's very introspective. It's a lot. I talked about Macklemore's The Heist recently. I shouldn't say recently. A few few months ago. Relatively recently. This has the same appeal to me as The Heist. Like, it's very introspective. It's very much uh, a well-thought-out album with really introspective lyrics. And I really enjoy kind of the the dark side. Not the gangsta dark side. But like the personal dark side of hip hop, yeah. And this has that. Do you get into hip hop at all? Not a lot. Uh, my my roommate does more than I do. Um, but I want you uh, to check this out anyway. Okay. I want you to go. Do you have Spotify or radio? Audio. Yeah, I use Spotify. Yeah. Okay. Go to Spotify and just just punch in atmosphere and look for God loves ugly or family sign. Or if life gives you lemon, paint that shiznit gold, except they don't say shiznit. I'm just saying shiznit for the sake of the podcast. You're being polite. I am. I'm being Minnesota polite. Nice. Did I tell you about Hammermaid? I didn't tell you about Hammermaid. All right, no. That, that's, it's my fourth top three pick of the week. Nice. They make shirts. It's a guy from Minnesota who designs like dress shirts. What'd you say the name was again? Hammer made or atmosphere? What are we talking about? Hammer made. Hammer space made. Okay. And he makes dress shirts and they're custom designed. They're limited edition. And I won't say they're cheap. You're looking at $100 to $200 per shirt. But they are fantastic. And I picked up a t-shirt while I was at their store in Edina, Minnesota. And... By the way, you can find this online. It's all you. Anyone can get to it, but only a few of us special people can actually go to the store. Um, But I picked up a Minnesota Nice t-shirt, which is related to my top pick because uh, the last tour that Atmosphere went on was Minnesota Nice. Um, But it's it's an outline of Minnesota with the words nice inside of it. And it's gorgeous. And Hammermaid oh. makes one. It's like 30 bucks, uh, which is not cheap for a T-shirt, but these are really quality T-shirts. I saw your picture of that on Twitter, <laughs> Twitter I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Nice. So anyway, that was four top picks for me. You got anything else you want to slide in there? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. I, uh... That's okay, because we need to talk about sponsor number three which would be Squarespace. And this episode, episode 67, wow. Episode 67 has been brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDYCORN. If you had any trouble with that in the past, it's been fixed. CANDYCORN will now work for 10% off. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site automatically automatically 
I can talk. Automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer commit. Gosh darn it. Was that a Minnesota thing to say? Yeah, I think so. Gal dang it. Um, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. They have two really cool new features out. Audio Collections is the new tool for musicians. You can upload music directly to Squarespace and easily share your albums from your website, complete with a beautiful integrated player and album art display. Squarespace also has an amazing 3D visualizer for shipping, and this thing is really cool. They have taken all the factors of shipping into account by not only allowing you to enter product weights and carrier options, but also implementing 3D packing algorithms to understand the exact amount of the ordered item that will fit into the boxes that you ship. So, make sure you go check out their homepage, too. It features beautiful videos that show how Squarespace fits everyone differently. Squarespace is always updating their site with fun new branding, which, by the way, has won numerous design awards. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required, and if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month. That includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure to get 10% off and support this show by using the code CANDYCORN. So, thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. All right. Dan. That's who, what? What? I was just going to say, that that's who I always... Every time I meet somebody new and they find out I'm a website designer, they usually ask <laughs> me if I'll design a website for them. And I always just tell them to go to Squarespace. I've done the exact same thing three times this week. Nice. I'm like, you don't, in this day and age, you don't need to hire a web designer for your limited needs. All you need is Squarespace. Yeah, especially not when you're like just starting out on something small, you know? Exactly. You can't afford to hire me to make your website compared to what Squarespace can give you for, right? what is it? I don't even know the price, but it's, it's way, way, way less than I would charge you just for hosting alone. Yeah, I think it's like eight or ten bucks a month or something like that. And I would charge you fifty to host your website. Right. So yeah, just go to Squarespace and stop bugging me. <laughs> me and Dan. Me and Dan want you to go to Squarespace because it is it's seriously And it seems to be simple enough that, you know, most people can figure it out pretty exactly. easily. It's so easy and it looks so good. Like you don't right. go to a Squarespace site and say, Oh, this is on Squarespace. It's not like MySpace. Right. It's Squarespace, but you don't know what's on Squarespace because you can have a custom domain and you can you can you can tweak everything you want to make it look exactly the way you want. You don't need people like me and Dan anymore. We're relics. <laughs> I don't know that I get left. <laughs> All right. So you are found on Twitter as Dan V. Peterson. Yes. With an O. Yes. Uh, v for Victor and the. Uh... I don't know. Peterson. Peterson. Not Peterson. Or right. son. Yeah. And are you on app.net? Yeah, same same name. Dan B. Peterson on app.net. I gave up a long time ago and I just throw the middle initial in there to make it easier everywhere. I understand. Dan and Peterson are not uncommon names. Not at all. You should try being Brett Terpstra. It's actually really easy. Yeah, you suck. 
<laughs> do, you, do you have a personal website? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I have a personal domain, but I don't use it for anything. So, so no. Okay. No. Well, then you can find Dan's work in the in the application one password. Or go to agilebits.com. Agilebits.com, where you will find some of Dan's amazing interface design work and one of the best applications. One of the first applications I install on any Macintosh that I set up. Thank you. That's uh, something we thankfully hear quite a bit, and it's always awesome. It is. Like seriously, I install Dropbox so that I have my one password library. Yeah. Yeah, and then here. I install one password. That's first that's, two that's, first two apps that go on. That is exactly my process. <laughs> All right. Well thank you so much for being here, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. This has been a blast. And uh let's see, this is episode sixty seven, and we will see everybody in one week. Thank you so much for listening.